Welcome to the CX Impact Podcast. Speed up your customer experience success. The CX Impact Podcast is brought to you by Gemseek, your trusted analytics advisor, helping you predict what your customers will do next. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the CX Impact Podcast. As you've probably heard before, at Gemseek, we work with many leading companies across multiple verticals, one of them being the medtech and healthcare domain, where we pride ourselves in having five out of the 10 leading medtech vendors trust us with their brands. Today's episodes shift towards a direction that we could safely say we're very familiar with, patients and B2B healthcare. The topic itself sounds broad and vague, so I've decided to bring on two guests today. We'll focus on the inevitable correlation between patients, hospital, and OEMs, and how we help people get a better quality of life through the things we do in our work every single day. Our first guest is a seasoned expert in CX, project management, marketing, and strategic consulting. She has spent the last decade in healthcare CX, and today she manages activities for another highly competitive brand, ResMed. ResMed is a global leader in digital health and the world's number one provider of connected solutions for people with sleep apnea. Its connected devices and out-of-hospital software solutions are all about helping people sleep, breathe, and live healthier lives outside of the hospital. Welcome, Dilana. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Great to have you. Our second guest today, Brian, is a true customer experience ambassador and what many CX professionals dream of, a truly passionate team member. He has dedicated 20 years in healthcare. He has changed direction going from IT to CX and is currently a service and CX leader in the Americas region. Great to have you, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here. So our first question today is on your professional background. So both of your professional backgrounds have started differently, but for the past years have been consumed by all things CX. So it will be really interesting for me to hear how did you end up in that field? So for me, I was first exposed to MPS and the idea of customer experience in my MBA program many years ago. However, I started my career in traditional marketing and later in project management. And it just so happened that one of my first projects was setting up the MPS program at my former employer. And I haven't looked back ever since. I've certainly found my passion in this field and I plan to grow and continue to contribute in this area. Yeah, for me, I mean, as you mentioned, I started in IT actually. And as I had an opportunity to move into service and technical service, I from the very beginning, I remember the first presentation I saw about NPS and I thought, wow, this is this is cool. Like this is how we create a better experience for our customers. How do I get to do more of this? And for many years, I was still on the operations side, but Dilian and I worked together quite a bit as I kept dipping my toes into the CX world and trying to understand and better uh, use it in the actual field. And then uh, we had an opportunity to actually work together exclusively on that for a, a couple of years. And I'm now back on the operations side, but still fully engaged with, with CX because it's just something that I find fascinating and I think it's critical for us. I have to tell you it's exactly the same for me because 
In university, CX wasn't a major topic that we went through. I studied strategic management. And then when I started my professional career, I was in supply chain and I did a lot of reporting and data analysis, but I felt I wanted to be closer to the customer and closer to their behavior. And I, when I started working at Gemseek, the, the first uh, thing I did was checking reports, NPS reports. And I was also very fascinated by it because to me, it sounded like a very good descriptor of what the customer is going through and exactly why it's important. So uh, I definitely resonate with both of you there. I, I'm amazed also, and, and I was amazed at, at ourselves because this was many years ago, but we're a company that's been around for a long time, that we didn't have anything like this. And, and I'm amazed that there are still companies that have no idea what their customers think I think all the big companies, you know, they all have some sort of customer satisfaction or NPS or, you know, for the most part, some sort of trying to listen to the customer. Even then, I'm surprised at how immature that can be, but I'm still surprised at how many companies, you know, really don't have any idea. Maybe they, you know, I think of a fast food or something, they put a survey at the bottom of the of the receipt or whatever that nobody fills out. But as critical as it is, it's fascinating to me that so many of us really don't know what our customers think. I think that's a very shrewd observation. And I think it's especially true in healthcare. I have been working in healthcare B2B CX for almost 10 years now. And some of the companies that I have met and spoken to, even though they're billion dollar revenue companies, they don't do much related to CX. It was super surprising to me. And it's starting to grow though, because in the last few years, I've heard more and more companies talk about it. Also, especially competitive CX, where they want to kind of benchmark against other players in the field. That only shows to me how much CX has grown in their mindset. Because if it's so important that you want to track what your competitors are doing as well, then it becomes a strategic program. So the topic of today's discussion is similarities and differences in customer experience in the context of patients and B2B healthcare. Now, things have changed a lot since March 2020. We have seen many businesses adjust or completely transform the way they work and deliver goods and services. How did uh, this challenging period affect uh, the experience of medtech vendors and other B2B entities uh, such as hospitals and labs? And do you see any difference in the relationships of medtech vendors directly to patients? So as you said, things have certainly changed since March of 2020 and we've all had to adapt in one way or another. And the speed of change has been varied in different industries. Obviously, for most of us, the change has been more around reliance on technologies and doing things virtually. And that's certainly true for medtech providers as well. ResMed's the global leader in digital health and the world's number one provider of connected solutions for people with sleep apnea, which is typically diagnosed with a sleep test. So I'll give you an example of how the reliance, of, uh, reliance on utilization of healthcare tech has increased in our space. Home sleep tests are becoming the preferred way of testing instead of the traditional sleep lab test. And that, of course, has had implications for the patients as well as physicians in terms of how a diagnosis is being made. And we can talk about from the patient perspective, this approach might be giving patients more comfort as they get to do the test in the 
comfort of their home environment versus going to a lab setting, which can sometimes induce additional anxiety. So our customer journeys have essentially changed. And this also applies for our providers. On the provider side, in North America, we work with home medical equipment providers or HMEs who would typically do setups in the office when a patient's diagnosed and goes to an HME facility to get set up in therapy. Now that can also be done virtually. So for us as the medtech vendors, we really need to focus on how we can provide exceptional experiences in this new realm as we realize that those customer journeys have changed for everyone in our ecosystem from patients to HMEs and physicians. Thank you, Diliana. Brian, have you noticed similar things as well? You know, it's interesting. We're, we're a little bit more removed from the patient. We provide test results to physicians and then they provide it to the patient. And so the journey for us although certainly, you know, impacts the patient. And we're always trying to make sure that we're keeping the patient in mind. But where we have direct impact sort of ends with the, the, you know, the testing lab and then what they do to the physician and the physician to the, to the patient is, is a little bit outside of our control. But what we have seen is that just thinking about our direct customers, the lab, they're dealing with the same things that we all are, right? Labor shortages, people get sick, they can come in, especially at the beginning, we couldn't go into the labs to fix our instruments because we were not allowed to go in, right? Because they were trying to restrict how many people were actually coming in. And so we were having to figure out creative ways to work with our customers so that they could you know, get their job done. And when they would allow us to go in, we needed to be much more efficient and you know, get in, get what we needed to do, and then and then get out. And make sure we had all the protective uh, equipment and all of that, and and you know respect their protocols. And so it was an adjustment for us, but really it was how do we you know help our customers because they're now dealing with you know okay well we don't have enough people to to run all these tests, and particularly you know during the COVID surge, helping to to them to be able to provide that critical information to their customers, you know, on a timely basis, it was really about trying to think about the end, the end person meeting the patient and providing the best service that we could and helping our customers through what was a difficult time for them. Even as we were dealing with our own folks getting, you know, ill and labor shortages and all that. And so it was definitely a challenging time, but I think it taught us a lot about making sure that we're understanding what our customers' problems are so that we can focus on that rather than just focusing on our own issues. Thank you both for these answers. This was exactly what I was hoping to hear. And it's so great to have you both on the podcast because both of you are bringing two different perspectives. One is the perspective of direct to patient customer experience. And the other one is lab personnel to physician to patient. And I think this was one of the bigger challenges that the healthcare industries had to face with COVID and customer experience during COVID. In one of our previous episodes, we talked about the concept of hospital at home. And although it sounds like a great opportunity, I think that in many areas of healthcare, Unfortunately, we're still limited, both due to personnel issues, but also just due to the exams that patients 
need to undertake and whether the equipment is there and uh, whether there is someone to read their results and, and stuff like that. It's great to hear about some of the challenges and innovative ways that you guys had to undertake during this period. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because and Dillian and I were working together during most of the, at least the first part of the pandemic. And we would go to different conferences and people would be talking about, you know, digitalization and how do you do more th things more virtually. And I don't want to say it was frustrating for us, but we were not quite sure how to, to deal with that because so much of ours requires a person's blood or, or some sort of, you know, fluid to go onto a machine. Like there's so much physical aspect to it. You can't uh, digitally send someone your blood, right? At least not yet. Someday, hopefully, that would be cool. But, you know, there's so much physical aspect to it that we were kind of like, well, there's not, you know, a lot of digitalization that we can do here. And so it was more about, like I said, you know, how do we help our customers through the, the challenges that they're having when they're trying to help the patients and that. But, yeah, it's interesting that there were some aspects of the industry that didn't change as far as the, the actual infrastructure in that. Whereas other parts of it were, you know, dramatically changed, of course. One question I have been asked recently was on the connection between customer experience and innovation and whether customer experience can actually drive new product development. In your experience, do CX initiatives help you focus on coming up with new solutions or is it more adjusting the existing ones to improve the issues that customers or patients are having with them? In my experience, it really depends on what aspect of CX we're talking about. For example, for us, we're currently doing work on our customer journeys and designing for the future. And going through this process has been a great learning experience. And we've been able to identify opportunities for new solutions to meet a specific need or address a certain pain point. And we wouldn't have been able to identify those had we only focused on our voice of customer listening channels. So if we're looking holistically about all CX initiatives and everything that a CX team does, I think CX can certainly help with coming up with new solutions. But the first time I looked at the questions, I think sometimes we tend to focus or equate CX with just the listening part of what we do. And in my experience, that's a little bit more challenging because what comes through those channels is typically things that help us adjust our existing processes or products or service that we deliver more so than sparking ideas on new solutions. Yeah, I agree. I think that occasionally, you know, depending on how well you can data mine, as well as what kinds of things your customers are willing to say. And, and I think it also has to do with what industry you're in and things like that. So sometimes you'll say, wow, that's a fantastic breakthrough, you know, that, that someone mentioned in a survey or in a some sort of listening post or something. And you know, you're going to jump on that and, and you're going to have some new innovative idea. But often I think, as, as Deliana said, it's, it's about adjustments. And some of those adjustments can be really important. I can think of one where we were receiving a lot of feedback about our, the packaging of our product. And so we were able to respond to that. And number one, it was, you know, better for the customer, smaller packaging. Number two, obviously better for the environment. And those things were coming from our listening, uh, our voice of customer programs. But as Diliana said, I think you have to look at it more holistically and all the things that you do, customer journey mapping and uh, customer focus groups and things like that. I think those we tend to get, or we can get more things that are 
kind of bigger innovations. But I think even those little innovations can be the start to be the little competitive advantage that you have with your customers. So a couple of things to reflect on here. You both said the word holistic and I cannot agree more with you. I think companies need to look at voice of the customers from all angles and obviously NPS or CSAT is one of these angles, but getting constant feedback on what you're offering is absolutely crucial. And again, this is something that I have seen the healthcare industry lagging behind, but it's it's growing more and more. And I'm just going to refer to another episode of this podcast where we had Dr. Carol Macado from uh, Johnson & Johnson. He had a very good talk about how important it is to check your ideas with the market before you actually engineer them. Because from a technical standpoint, it could be possible, but does it actually solve the customer needs? And do they find value in it? Do they understand how it positions in their ecosystem? So this holistic approach to me is absolutely vital for long-term successful products and innovations. The other thing you said was CX. We tend to focus on the listening part of CX, but both of you actually spoke about the actionable part of CX. So how many of us have filled in a survey and we were dissatisfied and uh, we said yes contact me and then no one contacts you after that it's exactly initiatives like changing the packaging of a product to make the journey more smooth that is the goal of customer experience it's not just tracking an mps score and seeing how it shifts on a monthly or quarterly basis it's taking action to make sure that this score actually means something for the organization. Yeah, you know, and that's harder than you think it would be. I think when I first started getting involved in this, I thought it was going to be great because, you know, you'd open up a survey and they would say, okay, supplier, here are the five things that you can do to improve my experience, right? And you'd just be like, oh, this is great. Okay, we'll do one, two, three, four, and five. This is awesome. But too often the responses will be, everything is great, or I don't like this person or this instrument or whatever, right? So, and obviously, you know, we'll follow up and we'll get more detail and, you know, we'll try to, to better understand that. There's more action you can take there. But sometimes the surveys, as important as they are, and I do really feel that they are, and I think, like you said, that score has to drive us to do something. It can't just be a, oh, we have a, you know, 85 or we have a 63 or whatever. We have to be able to take action on that. And sometimes finding insights out of the data can be challenging. And, you know, I can't tell you what, especially when Deliana and I work together, people would say, oh, well, our score went down by, you know, two and a half points. Go find out why. And so, you know, that was always so challenging to figure out, okay, what are the customers saying? These are different customers that we did last time. Is this just, you know, noise within the statistics? And so it's definitely challenging, but, but absolutely critical. You sometimes need to read exactly between the lines of the data, especially for customers who are not sharing information because there's also a lot of difference between stated and actual behavior. So it could be the situation where they are saying one thing that they're like, for example, they're always happy, but in reality, they just don't want to be bothered to give that feedback or anything like that. Or it could be because they're really close with the sales rep uh, again, or, or another bias that they may have. So 
I can absolutely see how this is challenging and this is uh, what we try to do at GemSeek. We used to say that our goal was to uncover the hidden gems. It's where our uh, name comes from. Really look at this data and try to go beyond what is visible out there. I was just going to say, and, and I know you're not looking for a plug here, but we've done a little bit of work with you guys. And I mean, what you're able to do with predictive NPS and things like that, there's some really cool stuff there. I agree. And covering those hidden gems, that's neat. So we talked about a little bit about the challenges of collecting and analyzing the data. So sort of the external part of customer experience. Let's talk a little bit about the internal part of customer experience. Usually if you work in CX, you know that your work involves constant cross-team collaboration with IT, with sales, with marketing, pretty much the entire organization. So what are some of the main challenges you have seen from this perspective? My career in CX now spans two different medtech companies. And based on that experience, what I've noticed is that it really depends on how the CX organization is structured and what influence it has in the organization. My current organization acts as a center of excellence and works in high collaboration with these other teams you mentioned. So we're very much focused on building a CX org where our data and insights will inform the other team's roadmaps and initiatives and have a structure that will help us act very quickly on customer sentiment. But I think if the CX organization is sometimes too far removed from decision makers or not given the authority to inform kind of the product and project roadmaps for these other teams that you need to collaborate with, the biggest challenge tends to come in competing priorities with everything else that these other teams are tasked with. And it just ends up being a very lengthy process advocating for an improvement on behalf of the customer. So I think it's a little bit of factor of, of structure and how much influence the CX org has. Yeah, I agree 100%. It's uh, over the past few years, I've been able to interact with a lot of other CX professionals and kind of many of us talk about the same things, some more than others, but you know, are we, uh, oh, you're the survey people or are we a, a vital part of driving strategy and things going forward? And a lot of that has to do with the structure, as Deliana said. I think it also has to do with how much you're able to show the value of the CX program as a whole, as we said. Yes, the surveys, yes, the NPS score, the CX score, whatever. But also, you know, what are those insights? What are those actions? What are the things that are going to provide a better experience for our customer? And so the more that we as CX professionals can push that, show that value, I think it helps to have a place at the table, so to speak. And there's some places where you're still going to be the survey folks, and there's other places where you're going to, Deliana said, and the experience that she's having where you're a full-fledged partner. And that's where we all want to get, but we, you know, we also have to provide that value and show that value. I think that's a really key aspect, the value one, and making sure that in every step of the way, you can actually prove how much customer experience is contributing to the bottom line of the company because there is a vision that many professionals are lacking or many companies are lacking and usually these would be the companies where NPS is just some number that they report because they have to put it in their annual report but it's not something that drives innovations actions improvements 
and even more driving revenue generation or keeping revenue from leaving the company. And that's not to say that's easy either, right? <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> so let's get out of the depths of uh, CX with something lighter. You two host a podcast called Tales from Planet Customer Experience. The podcast welcomes listeners to remarkable stories told by your guests. I recently had the pleasure of uh, being a guest on your podcast. I wanted to ask you, how did you get into podcasting and uh, why did you go for that format? Yeah, so when Dillian and I were working together, I, we were looking for creative ideas, again, to show value of our team and provide uh, additional ways to communicate with our, especially we were part of the service team. And so we were somewhat focused on the service team, but we were trying to go beyond that. Uh, so I kept saying, you know, we should do a podcast and just share cool stories because Deliana and I loved, we would love to, you know, at lunch or whatever, we'd, oh, this is a really cool thing that happened to me. Or, you know, I just heard about something that happened to a friend of mine and this was really awesome. Or this was really terrible. Of course, we always love to share the terrible stories as well. And so we should just do a podcast because we, because I, I looked and I was trying to find, is there one that, because I would love to listen to, to those kinds of stories and, and we couldn't really find something. So, so one day I finally just, I grabbed my iPad and I walked into her office and I said, okay, we're doing this right now. I clicked the record button and we talked for, I don't remember how long, 15, 20 minutes. And then I think if I remember right, we actually re-recorded it, which we've never done again. And I, it was, I think we ended up with the, with the original version anyways. And so this was before our current podcast, that was only internal to the company we're working at. And so we started uh, doing that. I think how many episodes did we do? Like 28 or something like that. And then Deliana, you know, went to, uh, to her new opportunity and we decided, you know what, let's let's continue this on. And so we started on our iTunes podcast, Tales from Planet Customer Experience. And we've had some amazing guests come on and share some some really frustrating stories and some really inspiring stories. And it's just, it's been a delight. I don't know, Dilly, anything you want to add to that? or? Yeah, one thing I want to say is it's been for sure an interesting experience and I would have never imagined being here and uh, having an external podcast, Brian, just thinking back to the early days of where we came from. But over this experience, we talk about, you know, in this episode, the holistic view of customer experience and how we can contribute to our organizations. Storytelling is an important part of that. And I think what we've done with the podcast, right, is essentially that. And I never thought of it in that context, but now we talk more and more about how storytelling helps us tell our customer stories internally and externally to help us provide better experiences. So I think that's been kind of a great experience in learning to do that and a fun little side project. So thanks, Brian. <laughs> well, thank you for sticking with it for so long. It's been a blast. You guys talked about the holistic experience and the importance of CX. And I absolutely agree that small steps such as a podcast or a community or really any interaction that gives publicity to customer experience is one step closer to proving the value of customer experience for organizations. Because in your podcast, you could really hear stories from people who have had terrible customer experience. They're never gonna go back to that vendor. They don't mind speaking about this and influencing other people. And this is precisely how make or break customer experience can be. 
Yeah, and uh, I can't wait for people to hear your episode. I, I One of the frustrations I have with the podcast is we record it and I get really excited about the story that someone's told and yours was the same. And I want to tell all my friends and family. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not going to tell them. You have to listen to the podcast. <laughs> and so I'm like, I want to tell this story so bad. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so I can't wait for yours to come out. It's going to be great. I completely understand you. Also, the episodes that I really like, I sometimes re-listen to them a few times. <laughs> what was your most favorite episode, if you can pick one, from Tales uh, from Planet Customer Experience? And what tales could we expect from you guys in the future? No, I think we, uh, right with every story uh, we tell, we get to explore a different facet of the customer experience. And that's what we're all about. So I think there's always something we can learn from regardless of if the story is, you know, just a little annoyance or if it's something hugely delightful for our customers. And I don't know that I can choose a, a favorite, but I can tell you a couple that still stand out as my most memorable. And it's the Snickers bar story before surgery. It's such a small thing, but it's it stuck with me. That story... Um, really stuck with me. And also the FedEx story from Canada, I think it's a fantastic example of a great customer experience. I'm always fascinated by, you know, people or companies who just have figured out a way to do something oftentimes very small to either correct a mistake or to provide an experience that is just, you know, so different than what we're used to in so many places. And so it's been so fun to listen to those. And, you know, again, even the negative ones, like I said, I mean, we come away going, I mean, how is this still happening in 2022? And, you know, all the things that we know about customer experience, like how, you know, how are these things still happening? So I guess um, since my daughter was on one of them, I should probably say that one's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I have to be loyal to my family, right? I do like the positive ones a lot, but, but we certainly learn a lot from the negative ones as well. Well, thank you both so much for uh, the great conversation today. It has been really a pleasure to pick your brains around healthcare, CX, and how the two intertwine. If there is anything else you want to share or say, that would be the, the perfect moment for that. I just want to say thank you for having us on. What a pleasure, what an honor. We you know, look forward to many more exciting episodes from you. And, and again, thanks for having us on. Yeah, absolutely agree. It was such a great conversation and it was a pleasure connecting with like-minded CX peers. Always a great conversation and an honor to be invited to be a guest. So thank you. Thank you so much, Brian and Dilana. And thank you everyone for listening to one more episode of the GemCX CX Impact Podcast. If you liked this episode, Hit follow and visit gemseek.com to learn more. Let's make an impact on the world of CX together. Thank you for listening.